The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in a boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. And they hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. He disembarked, and he saw the vast crowd. His heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, one and all. My name is Father William Brock. I work in Atlanta. Father Peter asked if I could uh, substitute for him this week that all the fathers have gone off. I had known him since I was one of his formators when he first started to study, become a priest. He, Father Stephen Ellis, Father Joshua West. I knew them all in Spain because I worked about 30 years in Spain and uh, many of those years in our seminary. It turns out that the... uh, uh, I was born actually here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, so I, I hail from North Carolina. The, when my parents got married, the doctor told my mother that she was not going to have children. She, uh, you know, good Catholic from Brooklyn, New York, she, she started praying, you know. There's nothing as powerful as a woman's prayer, okay? You always go to St. Monica, you can go back to uh, the Blessed Virgin herself, okay? So, the, uh, uh, so she prays, Lord, if you give me the grace to have a child... I'll consecrate my firstborn to the Blessed Virgin. Well, I was the firstborn. And I was born on the Feast of the Blessed Virgin. My mom did not tell me anything about this until I already became a priest, so I wouldn't feel like morally obliged to you know, follow that. And during my whole, especially when I was a little, a little boy, she prayed a lot. I knew this later as well after I became a priest, that she had prayed daily that God you know, bring me to the priesthood. So I'm here in front of you, thanks to my mom. And God kind of paid her back for that because after, after me, she had 17 other pregnancies. And 13 of us are born alive. She lost five and 13 of us alive. Okay, I have six brothers and six sisters, although I'm the only one who became a priest. So I think the doctor, he finished his life as a carpenter or something like that because he, <laughs> he, he made a big, big mistake. Okay, so... That's a little bit about myself. I, I, I worked uh, 30 years in Spain. I was almost 10 years in Mexico. Been here in the States again after all those years away uh, for about six years. And now in mid-August, I'm heading back to Mexico. I'm being reassigned to Mexico. Around, just on the border, El Paso, Ciudad Juarez, about Chihuahua. Uh, if, you, if you watch the next Netflix series of Narcos next year, I might appear in one of those episodes. <laughs> So it turns out, though, that was just a personal introduction. I'll be here all this week until next Sunday, inclusive, before heading back to Atlanta. 
what would I like to talk about today? Here our Lord, uh, in the first reading, he talks about being, he's being a shepherd. And we see how our Lord, even though he was tired, and his apostles were tired, and they went, they went to a place to rest, the people found out, and they beat him to the punch. And they were there before him. And he says he felt such compassion at the need of the people that he started to dedicate himself to their service. After that would come the, the multiplication of the bread, right? So the, you, one of the things I've discovered as a priest, I've been a priest now 42 years, that one of the things I've discovered throughout all those years is God never gives up. There is no, no case so far gone that God is not able to overcome it. There's nothing that can beat God when he puts his mind to it. I tell you, just I just want to tell, illustrate more than talking theory. I just illustrate with a couple of stories that I've come across as a priest. I like to hear stories instead of hearing, you know, doctrine. I say, so I, I was flying one in one occasion, flying from Mexico City to New York to Madrid because I was going from a, a, a renewal course I had done in Mexico back to Spain, where I was working at the time. And uh, as we're flying to New York. They tell us, well, we are not going to be able to land in New York because there's a very bad storm. So we're going to be redirected to an alternative, uh, an alternate airport, which was Philadelphia. So getting to Philadelphia, and I, I missed my connecting flight from New York, but I worked out the connecting flight from Philadelphia to Madrid. I get on the plane. The plane was packed because a lot of people had been reshifted to these flights. The plane was absolutely was overbooked. And uh, uh, so I'm on the plane, and uh, you know it's a night flight to Europe. And uh, I don't, I don't generally fall asleep on a plane. Um, you know, you're tall; it's kind of that easy to. But the uh, uh, that time I did. And in the morning, as we're arriving to Spain, the, the the flight attendants hand out these like hot towels so you can kind of freshen up. And uh, this young flight attendant, this young woman, she says to me, "Father." You were asleep last night. No, I wanted to go to confession last night, but you were asleep. You missed it. And I said, that's pretty sneaky, huh? I thought she was joking. Huh? But a, a, a young man who was sitting next to me said, when she had gone off, she said, Father, I think she's, she was serious. So when she came back, I said, excuse me, were you serious about that, about wanting to go to confession? She says, yes. Tell me when and where. You know, the plane was packed. There was not, a, a, there was not an empty space on the plane. And I said to myself, well, look, I, I know you're going to give out like a little bit of a breakfast. How about if after breakfast, when you clean things away, I go back to your galley there, back to the little kitchenette, you know, you say, on the plane, and I'll hear your confession in the galley. We'll get rid of the other flight attendants. And, we'll, and so she said, yeah, that sounds good to me. So I went back, and next to the window of the galley, I heard her confession. But before we started, she said, Father, what happens is that, you know, it's been a lot of years. I mean, in her young life, it's been a lot of years since I've gone to confession. I come on the plane today, and I see a priest on the plane. And I said to myself, you know, it just hit me. You know, you got to get your soul straightened out. You take advantage of the priest that's on the plane. And I said, so because I saw you there, I decided I wanted to go to confession. I said, you know something? I was not going to be on that plane. God lifted up a whole storm over New York City so you could have a priest on your plane. <laughs> right? God does that a lot. He, he, he's got, you've got a sense of humor in that sense. Huh? Another case, the second case, was a bit more dramatic. The, uh, I was working in Monterrey, Mexico, which is about two hours south of Laredo, Texas. 
and uh, had been there for a couple of years already. And one day I worked at a school, uh, all-girls school, 1,000 girls. Can you imagine? The drama capital of the world. <laughs> so I, I, uh, uh, the, one of the teachers there at the school called me and says, Father, my father is dying of cancer. It probably will not make it through tonight. But what happens is he's like 80-some years old and hasn't gotten to confession since his first Holy Communion. And he does not want any priest. He does not want to go to confession. He does not want to the sacraments. He wants to die impenitent, you know. And we're his family. We love him. We, we, we just can't let him go like that, you know. Would you, he's, he's kicked out every priest we've brought him. Would you give it one last-ditch type of try? Because it's today. Today is the deadline, so to speak. So I said, well, it's worth a try. I mean, it's, uh, it's a last-ditch effort. So I went there. When I got to the house, the family greets me, and they tell me a, a, a little piece of information. It turns out he was the great-uncle of a legionary of Christ, a person, and a, a particular legionary of Christ, who was going to be ordained a priest in Rome the following week. But I had had him in formation back in those times when Father Peter Dever, or, well, a little sooner, but... Back in Spain, I had had him as a spiritually directed. I was his formator there. And so I said, with that piece of information, I could go with that. So they, we go to his door, and the mother, the, the, her daughter, who, was the, who called me, she says, Father, look, when I open this door, he's going to go berserk. Okay? He's going to go berserk when he sees a priest standing at his door because he, he condemned, us, condemned us if we brought him another priest. So I said, okay, I'll brace myself. Let's go. She opens the door, and, you know, he had like a tumor here. Only one side of his face worked. And uh, uh, he, he just looked at his daughter with, with, with anger. With, it was tremendous. It was like, out, out, get out, get out of here. And I told you not to. It was a little strength that he had left, right? So I said to him, look, I, a little bit of a lie there. I said, I'm not here for what you think. Okay? What happens is that they've told me that you're the great uncle of so-and-so, and I, I have worked with him a number of years, years past. I have been a spiritual director. When I knew you were here, I said, I, I'm sure that your great nephew would love to have been here on this occasion, but he's in Rome getting ready to become a priest. I said, so I came on his behalf. I'm here on behalf of your, of your nephew just to kind of, you know, accompany you for a little while. Would you mind if I do that? And he kind of relented. He says, well, okay, you know. So I'm walking into the room desperately trying to remember something about the boy that I could, you know, talk about. <laughs> I get there and I tell a few generalities and things. And it turns out that his wall, around the wall, he had these bullfighting posters. He was sort of like passionate about bullfighting. And I had been in Spain for 30 years. Although I'm not really a bullfighting fan, but I know a whole lot about it, okay, after 30 years. And I know famous bullfighters and stuff like that. So I said, hey, look at that, bullfight. I've been in that, I've been in that, that, that bull, bull ring. I, I know that. And he was all kind of enthusiastic. You could tell that was his passion. And we were there for about 20 minutes, you know, talking about bull, you know, throwing the bull. So the, uh, uh, talking back and forth. And finally, at one point, I said, well, got to go. Got to run. Sorry. The, uh, the, uh, I know that if your nephew were here, he probably would want to give you some kind of gift or something. Uh, the, if he were a priest, or something. Said, how about what would you what would you like me to give you on his behalf? A blessing or an absolution? And he looks at me. He says, "I don't know the difference between the two. 
I said, well, look, a blessing, I make the sign of the cross over you. And to the degree that your soul is in God's grace, you get more grace. In an absolution, I do the same thing. I make a sign of the cross, and I forgive you your sins, and I stamp your passport for heaven. Of course, you're going to need it tonight. <laughs> I stamp your visa for heaven. So I said, what's it going to be? What do you want? Blessing or an absolution? So he thought for a while, and he said to me, I'll take the absolution. I say, okay, sins. <laughs> yeah, I say, give me, give me a lowdown on your life here, a little bit as much as possible. And he went to confession. And so I gave him the absolution, and three hours later, he passed away. But he made it safe, okay? He kind of slid in on his stomach into, into, into heaven. And I was very, very happy that that had happened. I've been an instrument of God's grace. So. For me, that is, I could tell you a whole lot of other stories like that, but the, uh, uh, it's an example that God never gives up. Nobody, I mean, every person that God loves, God searches for that person, tries to, re, re, to recover that person. Many times I tell families, I say, look, when you're praying for your loved one, suppose somebody in your family is going through a very difficult time or is drifting off in the wrong direction, got into a bad group of people and, and has got into bad habits of some kind and, and you're worried about how he's going to end up. I, uh, being the, the oldest of, uh, of 13 uh, siblings, the, uh, uh, when I pray for my brothers and sisters, the, uh, uh, I just remember now, just parentheses, now I remember my, my, dad, my parents were married 65 years. They both have passed away. They loved each other dearly, but in the 60th anniversary, my father gets up at the banquet to give a few words, and he says, well, to tell you the truth, he's joking, right? We would have gotten divorced many years ago, but neither of the two of us wanted the custody of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> So anyhow, when I pray for them, I've got a little bit of everything in my family. When I pray for them, I say, Lord, I know you love dearly every soul, every person you create. And it's an infinite love. You think of how much you love. Think of all the love that your heart can produce. What you would be willing to do for, you, for your loved ones. Well, take that and multiply it by infinite. What does an infinite love, what is an infinite love capable of doing? If you could gather together all the love that exists in the world from day one down to the last day between human beings and make an enormous imaginary mountain of all that love, that mountain, however incredibly big that it were, would not even reach God's ankles, so to speak. God is infinitely greater than all the love in the world combined. And when you try to imagine infinite, it's bigger, the bigger you think of it, the bigger it is. And that's God's love for you. Do you think if you love somebody dearly, would you give up on that person? You don't give up on a person you love dearly. Well, imagine God. An infinite love never gives up. And that's what I see in these different couple of cases. People who were in, in different ways, farther away, far away from God or a certain distance from God, God looked for them. I've seen cases, terrible cases, people dedicated to evil who have like repented at a given moment and God, after so many years, pursued them until he caught up with them. That's the love of God. There can never be a moment in your life that you can say, no, I'm beyond forgiveness. I'm beyond hope with God. You know, just like those people that our Lord met in, uh, throughout the gospel. I said, Jesus came precisely to save us. He came to save us even when on the cross everybody had turned their back on him. Everybody he had tried to help. And nevertheless, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. 
So that love of God always follows you everywhere. I would tell the girls in the school down there, I said, suppose there's, a, you, 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 there's this boy who's got a crush on you. And every day he's looking to see if you look at him or if you smile at him or if you say something to him. And if you do, they're, they're walking on cloud nine. Well, that's the way God is with you. The infinite love of God every day, you know, he, he, you exist because God was fascinated by the idea of you. He couldn't imagine his creation without you present. So that love is looking at you and following you every day. And that love will never give up. So you can always, if you have a fall, if you, if you, if you, if you trip up, you can always turn back. To and you'll be, if you look back on your life, you'll see many times when God went out and looked for you. When God kind of head, headed you off at the pass. So that's something always, you know, tattoo that into your soul, okay? God has a plan over you. God created, he, he has a, he, more than anybody in the world, more than everybody in the world, wants to bring you to him. And he has a plan to do that. And going back to the idea I mentioned before, when I pray for my, my siblings, I say, Lord, I know that you love them infinitely. I know you have some kind of a plan. Uh, you know, you, you who think outside of the box have some kind of a plan to bring them to you. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm not going to tell you when to do it. I just say, do it. Whatever that plan is, carry it out. Whether it's something you're going to carry out in three days' time, okay, or all during all the life of that person. You know what I'm saying, Monica? She brought about with her prayers the, the, the conversion of her son, St. Augustine, in a short amount of time. But her husband was a pagan, a womanizer, and a violent person. She spent her whole life praying for him, and on his deathbed he converted. So pray. count on God's love for you and for yours, all right? But never doubt God, all right? God will always look for a way to bless you, but try to correspond to that, okay? Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have come together to be present to our Savior in worship. In prayer, we offer our petitions to the Father. That the shepherds of the church will proclaim Christ admonishing and teaching with wisdom, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an end to terrorism in the world and for peaceful resolution to all conflicts between nations, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the spiritual growth of our parish community, that we will commit ourselves to the truth, to the gospel, with zeal, self-sacrifice, and hope, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who risk their lives in order to protect the lives of others, that they may be strengthened, shielded, and aided, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Today's Mass is being offered for George Milkovich. For those who are sick or infirm, and for the caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up, we pray to the Lord. Lord for deceased members of our families, friends, and members of our parish. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May their souls, and the souls of all the faithful departed, 
Loving Father, guide us in right paths and give us courage to face the challenges of life through Christ our Lord. Amen.